And welcome to the first episode of Coworking, our new podcast where we bring you the conversations you're currently missing from your workplace. And just to be clear, these are not the conversations that are going to help you professionally in any way. Hard no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no, these, these are the type of conversations you have, you know, to maintain your sanity, uh, the type where you used to come home from work and your spouse would ask, how was your day? And you're like, it was great. You know, we talked about the difference between a llama and an alpaca for like an hour. Since this is our very first episode, uh, we should start with some introductions so you know who we are. Greg, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, so I'm Greg. Uh, I am a uh, an engineering manager, uh, manager of engineers, I guess, but also engineer. Uh, and uh, I work with Bianca. Ah, that's me. I'm Bianca. Um, and I'm a product design manager, uh, also at the same place where Greg works. We are actually coworkers. We don't get to work together every day, uh, but like once a week, something, yeah. something around there. It feels true. Yeah. Once a week, maybe twice a week if we get into a, a project where we need engineering and design together <laughs> quite a bit. Now, Bianca, you mentioned that you are also a manager, and I am yeah. curious... Uh, when you tell other people that you are a manager, do you ever feel the need to uh, add some qualifiers or some somehow explain how being a manager at our place <laughs> is different than most any other place? I do, just because the the place where we work is probably a little bit special in comparison to other companies where usually if you hear manager, it's usually someone who is managing other people for 100% of the time. But like you said, you're also an engineer and I'm also a product designer. So we get to do the craft that we've practiced for quite some time in addition to helping the people who have been uh, lucky or unlucky to be <laughs> part of our team. Yeah, I always feel like as soon as I say the word manager, uh, people get this image in their head of, like a boss, somebody that's telling people what to do. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't get to do that at all. I've never asked anyone to fill out a TPS report. Let me tell you, that's, <laughs> those words, words have never left my mouth until this very moment. Uh, so one of the things that I do a lot as a manager, uh, and I'm sure you do this too, I have one-on-ones with the people that I manage. Like every other week, I have a one-on-one -on -one with the same person. And uh, in those meetings... I like to do this thing where uh, I ask like a, a different get to know you question every time, um, mm -hmm. you know, just to get to know that person. And a lot of times they're a lot of fun to answer as well. Uh, so I figured uh, with this podcast, it'd be a good way to start out to, to help our listeners learn more about us. Uh, if we uh, answered one of my favorite questions out of this list of questions that I have. Oh, I'm ready for it. I'm so ready. So uh, the question is, uh, if you could define the events for a pentathlon, a company pentathlon, uh, and the events don't have to be athletic or anything like that, uh, what five events would you choose to give yourself the best chance of winning overall? So the idea is that you don't have to win any one of the events, but you mm -hmm. think you're the only person in the company 
that would do well at all five. Therefore, you would win overall. Uh, uh, so I love this question because it really made me think about like, what am I good at? Or like, what are, what are things that I enjoy or would even want to compete in? Um, so I told my sister about this question. My sister is an administrator at a school in Rhode Island. And I was talking to her today and she goes, oh, I need, I need an icebreaker. Or I need like a team building question. I was like, oh, have I got a question for you? So my sister's going to use this in her team building <laughs> exercise tomorrow. That's awesome. Yeah. Everybody that I've asked this question to has said, that's a really great question, mm -hmm. um, which makes me feel good because I thought of it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't read this one off the internet anywhere. Uh, you see when I'm a very competitive person, mm -hmm. uh, not like, overly competitive. Some people are overly competitive where they take everything too seriously. Like sure. they just want to win. Uh, I just like to compete and I like to make a competition out of anything. You know, my, it's my, fun. yeah, yeah. My ideal competition is like me and another person have zero skill in this thing. And we're going to spend two weeks to see who can get the, the best at it within that time frame, because I believe awesome that I can use my time more efficiently <laughs> to get better at it. So <laughs> a while back I was daydreaming as I often do. And a lot of people daydream about like, what if I won the lottery? What would I do with that? Mm. And I was daydreaming about uh, if I could get a bunch of Olympic athletes and like the world's geniuses in a room and I got to put together a series of events, what is, is there some, combination of events that i could win overall mm -hmm. with all these people could i could i have uh, a competition so tailor-made to me that i end up winning <laughs> uh and so then i realized ooh, i could i could ask this uh with the people i manage to just learn some things about them uh and and at first i was a little worried like what if other people aren't as competitive as me and can't think of like these random little things <laughs> that they would want to compete <laughs> at uh but it's actually worked out really well Everybody's had some pretty good answers to this. Um, so for our listeners, you should know, uh, we did both prepare answers for this, mm -hmm. but we have not heard each other's answers. So this is the, this is the first time we're hearing them. Um, and we are, we're going to order these from the least ridiculous to the most ridiculous. Uh, Bianca, would you like to start us off? I can. Uh, it was also was also a challenge to try to write them in order of ridiculousness <laughs> too, where I was like, which one of these is the more outlandish one? Uh, so I feel like four and five could be interchangeable, but we'll start with one. All right. Um, one is something that uh, some folks, especially those who uh, were quarantined, or uh, the majority of spring into summer would understand. Um, and that's making sourdough bread, mm. a baking competition for sourdough bread. All right. So I made my own sourdough starter. It turned out pretty great. So did you start your sourdough starter after quarantine started? Did. Yeah, it was, it was something that a lot of people on the internet were talking about. 
don't think I had ever done it before, but I understood the concept. I read, um, like so I, I follow some kitchen blogs where they were like, this is how you make sourdough at home. And the concept of it is kind of gross in that <laughs> it's collecting wild yeast from your home that just exists on you and my pets. Um, and so when I told my husband about it, I was like, yeah, you just leave flour and water out. And then it just becomes sourdough. He's like, that's <laughs> the grossest thing I've ever heard. So uh, it took some convincing and it also takes like a week for the starter to actually do its thing. Okay. Um, but then I made sourdough bread and I got really good at it. And I would take pictures of it and send it to my family. I'm like, look at all these pockets. I got so many air pockets in this bread. <laughs> it's so great. So I've, I, I feel I'm, I'm not a master baker by any means. I enjoy baking a lot. I've baked uh, cookies, cupcakes parts, pies. Um, but yeah, there was something like new and challenging about sourdough bread. And then I ended up being fairly okay at it where I would, I would feel confident if it were to be part of my pentathlon. Nice. Now, uh, so that you, you said the starter is like collecting things from the, from the air mm -hmm. in your house. Are there, is there anything you can put in your house to like, like give it its own brand? <laughs> I I feel like just because it's like this sounds this is gonna sound so gross, but it's the yeast of my family like <laughs> makes it what it is. You can go to a bakery and ask for um discard starter mm -hmm. so that you don't have to like build it over time. But that's what some people have done where they've gone to a bakery that that makes sourdough bread um because a starter is like this this goop that you take some out of and then when you take it out you feed it so that it can grow more yeast and that's what makes it taste sour and it doesn't even have to be just bread like you can add sourdough to other things um i don't i don't know specifically what i could do to make it my household's sourdough <laughs> specifically but um, I know that there are people who are way more educated in the the microbiology field that would understand it more than I would. So, yeah, microbiology is not part of this pentathlon for sure. Now, now I want to know: is there is there somebody out there so expert in sourdough bread mm -hmm. that they could eat a piece of bread and then tell you like how many people live in this house, how many pets do they have, what, <laughs> what kind of pets? You know, you, you try to throw them off with like a ferret or something and they just call oh. it out. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love how I thought this was the least ridiculous one. We're talking about, can you taste that a household has a ferret <laughs> <laughs> in their sourdough bread? Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what else have you made uh, with that starter? Uh, I mean, are there uh, other things you can do with it? I also did biscuits that came out pretty good. Um, I thought I would be cute and use my Christmas cookie cutters in order to, to so I had snowflake shaped cutters to make biscuits. Oh, okay. Then I just realized that it makes it harder to cut. And so it just crumbled everywhere. <laughs> it tasted pretty good. Um, and then I tried to make um, 
tried to make sourdough pizza like uh, as the the pizza dough, and that did not go well. That is that is the biggest fail that I had. Where <laughs> I let it rise for the amount of time. I followed the instructions of the recipe that I was given, and it ended up like a brick, like a very flat brick. Like I could have played baseball with it. It was just <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Other other than other than trying to do biscuits and pizza dough, uh, I feel confident if competition were to be sourdough bread. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, all right, you're up. First right. one. So my first one, the least ridiculous one. This is this is really the most straightforward one. Uh, I would go with table tennis. Oh, okay. P- pretty standard competition. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but I do run the ping pong league at work. Right. Uh, now, I I know right away that I would not win this competition, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am confident that I would be in the top five. Um We've because the league's been running. It's granted it's not running right now because we're all working from home. Uh, but before we were working at home, uh, it had been running for like two and a half years, and I'd never once won. I'd gotten second place several times. Multiple other people had won. I had never won. You played um, for two and a half years, and you kept playing, and you never won. Oh no! That's I did. Dedication. I didn't. I didn't win the whole thing. Oh, got it, got it, got I, it. Okay. I won lots of games. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you must really love it if you kept playing and you never won. Uh, no, no. I, I won a lot of games. I uh, just never won the whole thing. Got it. Um, but uh, yeah, this one, the competition would be pretty straightforward. I think it would actually be a fierce competition because uh, we, we have a lot of good ping pong players. Uh, we get a lot of people that come in and they want to join the league and I'll ask them how good they are so I can, I can place them appropriately. And uh, I've learned over the years, if somebody tells me they are average, they're going at the bottom. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the people that come in uh, with, with confidence that they're, you know, about average, uh, if I put them in the middle, they will get destroyed. Because yeah. uh, the the overall skill of the players at our work is uh, it's gotten really good. And the, the last time I counted how many players we had, I think it was like seventy five. It's, it's quite a few people. Oh wow! Yeah, that's the whole department. That's more than one department. Oh yeah, a, a number's worth of people. Yeah, so it is. How, it is a big deal. How long have you been playing table tennis? Did you start when you were a kid? Is it something that you? picked up later in life what what is your yeah what's your history with it so i i definitely played as a kid we had a ping pong table in my basement and uh my brothers and i would play uh my dad would play with us sometimes uh but what's funny is we didn't we didn't play with the correct rules uh i don't think any kid in america plays with the correct rules because everybody has their own (laughs) basement rules uh Mm -hmm. and what's kind of funny is i don't know where these basement rules come from but everybody has the same basement rules. <laughs> it's like we get players that come into the league that all they know are their basement rules that they grew up with. And so I have yeah. to correct them that like these, these are not the standard rules or whatever you're used to. That's not the real rules. Here are the real rules. Uh, so I played a lot as a kid. 
Uh, and then I didn't play much more until college. Uh, there, uh, my dorm room straight right across uh, from the hallway was a ping pong table. So everybody on my floor would play a lot. And since I'd played a lot as a kid, I had quite a bit of experience. Um, not very many other kids on my floor had a lot of experience. So I was one of the better players on the floor. Uh, and we, we played a ton uh, that year of college. And uh, still not with the right rules. And in fact, there was another kid who was very good. Um, we were fairly evenly matched. We would argue over which rules were correct. And thinking about it now, we were such idiots. It was 2002 and there's this thing called the internet. Table tennis <laughs> is an Olympic sport. Yep. It is pretty easy to just go Google. What are the rules of table tennis? <laughs> right. And, and the, the ways we were wrong about the rules were like blatantly wrong. <laughs> nice. Like any, even... any professional would watch what we're doing and just like facepalm instantly with, with how poorly we were implementing these rules. Uh, but then after college, um, once I got a house, I got a ping pong table and then I had the bright idea. I'm going to look up these rules. Uh, nice. And then I actually started playing at a, uh, a ping pong club here in town where there's a lot of tournament level players. And I thought I'd go in and be decent and I got destroyed. But oh I, I learned the real rules. Uh, I got a lot better uh, fairly fast and I played in some tournaments. Um, and so then I was able to bring these real rules that I learned uh, into our work. And so now I, I'm, I'm kind of proud about this, that the, the people that play uh, at our work, they're, they're using the correct rules. They, they've learned it. I like it. Did you have any say in getting the table tennis table at work or was that something that was already there when, when you came on? They, they had a table already there when I came on. And I remember during my orientation, I even said, this is the thing that I am the most excited about. Cause <laughs> at that point I hadn't, I, I hadn't played in probably three or four years. And so I, I had to like get back into it. Uh, and so I did that very quickly. <laughs> like it all right then you were just like let's let's start up whole league and the rest is this is history yeah that was a few years after i started i decided to start that league uh we've got promotions and relegations uh different group levels it's it's great and it's lasted a very you're, long time you're running like a full-blown intramural league yeah work. yeah pretty much it's awesome uh yeah and it's a, it's a hot topic the uh the Slack channel where people organize their matches. It's always hopping. Not right now, unfortunately, right. but you know, when we're in the office. All right. So that was table tennis. Uh, what is your second event? Uh, my second event is finding a good deal on the internet. Mm. Really interpreted the rules of pentathlon mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be outside of traditional pentathlon uh i <laughs> love i love online window shopping i'm not like a huge online shopper um but i am not out here paying full price for things so whenever i do find like i've got a list of things um especially with um, all the work that we're trying to do in our house like trying to make our house our own we bought our house two years ago so i've got on my list of lamps or rugs or 
plates or things that I want for our house to be like, oh, it feels like our house. This is great. But I, I'm not going to buy it all at once because I want to get best deal and I don't want to pay mm. full price for the things that I like on the internet. Um, so I am, I pride myself on not paying full price when I buy things online. Now, how would you, if, if you were to imagine a very real competition, how would you frame mm -hmm. this competition? Like, how would you set up the rules and stuff? Uh, I would say, um, like, we all have to find a, a general item and then um, find the best price, like find the, the steepest discount or pay the least amount of money. And then I'm sure you'd have to know normalize what the base price is versus what you paid for it but uh yeah i think a, a general item you'd have to find on the internet and pay the least amount of money for it all right um have you ever attempted to get something extra cheap off of wish.com i have not i have not gone on wish.com like i'm out here being like i love a good deal but i don't <laughs> I'm, I don't subscribe to all of the sites because the other thing is, if I see it, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I really want that thing. And then I won't stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I have to be, have to be very purposeful on like, okay, I'm looking for a new pan for my kitchen because the other one is, is no more. We've got um, like nonstick pans that the coating came off of. I'm like, oh, we need a new nonstick pan. Where are we going to get a new nonstick pan from? Um, but I'm not, not subscribing to all of the newsletters for all stuff because right. I'm like, maybe I want eight more nonstick pans. So it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I see these posts on the internet of people that they buy something off of wish.com that mm -hmm. looks like a normal item in the advertisement and then they get it and it's a like a miniature item. Yes, I saw that where someone bought a chair and it ended up being a chair for a dollhouse. <laughs> it is, and they're like, oh my gosh, I got this chair for $10 and it's beautiful and it's coming to my house. And then like their dog sits next to it and you're like, oh, that is the scale of the chair. That's very funny. So I feel like that's, it's gambling because you, maybe you'll mm. get the thing that you thought you were going to get at a great deal. Right. But uh, yeah, chances are not. Uh, I, I am curious, what is the best deal that you found recently? So it is the month of August as we're recording this. August is my birth month. I get a lot of coupons. Um, and so I realized uh, that I wanted a new bathing suit. So I went online. Um, I think I had gotten a... a an email newsletter. It was like 72% off sale. I was like, oh, an extra 72% <laughs> off of the sale price. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll see what they have. Um, and so I saw a bathing suit that I liked. And it was 72% off the sale price, which brought it to um, somewhere around $28. But then, like I said, it was my birthday. <laughs> I had a $25 credit to that store. So I paid $2.91 for 
a $110 bathing suit. Wow. I, I felt like one of the people on um, that coupon clipping show that I can't remember the name like of extreme, extreme couponers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I felt like one, like I, I think I told every member of my family immediately that I had just purchased an article of clothing for under $3. And <laughs> I feel like I stole it from them. Oh, very nice. I'm proud of that one. All right, Greg, next in line. What's, what's the, Event number two. All right. So my, this one is another, it's fairly straightforward, uh, but it's still a little niche. Uh, I would go with Street Fighter Five. So a lot of people oh. are familiar with like Street Fighter Two, old school. They may okay. not realize that they've made several others since then. <laughs> uh, and I would go with Street Fighter Five. Now, uh, I, I only picked one video game. There's, I, I had options for a video game to pick, but I didn't want to pick more than one. Uh, but this is the one that I am very confident that if we had a very real competition in our company, I would win this outright. Uh, I, I put quite a few hours into this game. Uh, the, there's only a few other people that I know have played it or play it, and I can beat them pretty handedly. Uh, so this is one that, yeah, I think... Uh, if we had a competition, I would win this one uh, straight up. Oh, you said Street Fighter Two is the the one that people are more are most familiar with. Oh yeah. You chose Street Fighter Five, so you were like three and four can hit the bricks. Five is the mm -hmm. one that you is it the one that you enjoy the most, or you just feel that you are the best at? It is the one that I am the best at relative to the other people that I would play. Um, <laughs> it. so it, it's also the newest one it, it just came out in 2016 they're still releasing updates for it and everything um, so you can actually play it online you can play against people online um, which is how it I mean the vast majority of people that's about the only way they're going to find opponents anymore um, but I think a lot of people especially people our age they will remember Street Fighter 2 from when we were kids uh, because that was one of the best selling games at the, of the time I remember playing that on Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis all the time. Um, so I think a lot of people, uh, if they had ever played those or if they have any familiar familiarity with uh, that Street Fighter 2, uh, they'd probably come in and be like, oh yeah, I know how to play this. But <laughs> then I would destroy them. <laughs> is it, so is it is it fairly different between 5 and 2? How, how you play, what the... Go so full disclosure um i play animal crossing pocket camp <laughs> like that's really my level of gaming and i'm very good at that mm -hmm. but like tell me tell me about street fighter tell me about street fighter 5 all right so imagine rock paper scissors okay uh so street fighter and, and a lot of other fighting games they often get talked about with with their rock paper scissors attributes so Imagine you're playing rock, paper, scissors, but there's a few more options. Let's say there's right. like seven options. So you got rock, paper, scissors, and then you know four four other ones that I'm not going to try to name right now. Scissors, uh, Spock. Yeah, and right. then and then two more. <laughs> uh, but then, so not only are there more options, uh, let's say it's also rapid fire. So like it's, it's first to 10 points, but you also only get like 30 seconds to do that. Uh, then on top of all that, let's say like, 
if I get a point, like I pick rock and you pick scissors. Now let's say that there's some other fancy hand signals that I can do right after to get some bonus points. Uh, but, but they're not easy hand signals, you know, like they would, it would take hours of practice to, to get these hand signals down. Uh, but if you pull them off, like in a schoolyard, all the other kids would be like, Oh my God. And, <laughs> and your opponent, you know, the kids you're playing against, they would feel like they just got flexed on real hard. Like they're going to go home and reflect for a while. So you got the rapid, the rapid fire rock, paper, scissors with some combos and then on top of that, now let's imagine that there's different gloves that you can wear that let you do right. things just a little bit differently. Like, like say there's eight different colors. So now you can start to learn like, oh, what are those differences between these different colored gloves? You know, what advantages can I get knowing how they all work? Um, you know, what should I do differently if I'm playing against these certain colors? And then, and then you might run into a situation, uh, let's say, Let's say I've challenged Jimmy to a battle after school. And and I know, <laughs> I know that he's been playing with the green glove. So mm -hmm. all week I've been learning about it and practicing against it. So I'm I'm fully prepared. And then I show up to the schoolyard and he busts out a red glove. And and I'm hosed. Like even if he's not as good with the red glove as he is with the green glove, he's already winning with these mind games. Cause I, cause you know, I'm not prepared. I don't know what to do. That's what fighting games are like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I, I just mash buttons and just hope that whatever button I push ends up doing something that gets me a little bit further. That is so, so intricate. Mm -hmm. That's unreal. And what's funny is, so, uh, when I played as a kid, I, I didn't play like that. It wasn't the rapid fire rock, paper, scissors, uh, sure. but it wasn't the button mashing either. Um, so I played a lot of like street fighter two and Mortal Kombat. Um, and I played this one really obscure game called eternal champions. And when I played those games as a kid, I was probably like 10, uh, to me, uh, it wasn't about strategy. It was whether or not you could do the special moves. So a lot of people oh, know yeah. in street fighter two, like there's the fireball and there's the dragon punch. And they're kind of hard to do. So like the dragon punch, if you imagine the little, the directional pad on your controller, you had to hit over and then down and then down over, like down in the corner. Uh, mm -hmm. And then your, and then your punch button. And that was, that was really hard to do, especially for a kid. And so I would just practice that a bunch. And then once I could do <laughs> these dragon punches over and over, I was like, yeah, I'm good at this game. I can beat yep. anybody. I, and I even remember a point where I could do every move, every special move in the game. And I was just like, well, I beat it. I have, <laughs> I have 100% completed this game. <laughs> then is it not fun anymore once you're like, okay, I did all of the special moves and now I can just wreck anybody. And is that like, is that why you like Street Fighter V better? Because there's more variability or is there something totally different where you're like, this is my favorite? Uh, so with Street Fighter V, it's definitely the playability or the replayability because I can find opponents, like real-life mm -hmm. opponents online. So when as a kid, I would just play against my brothers or my cousins or maybe some friends. And uh, because we were children with no critical thinking skills, uh, I could just <laughs> do these dragon punches repeatedly mm -hmm. and I would win because th they don't know what to do against it. And then right. 
when Street Fighter Five came out, I didn't really play three and four. When five came out, I was like, oh man, this is gonna bring me right back to my <clears throat> childhood. And I went and I played my first match online. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out some dragon punches and this person doesn't know what's gonna hit them. <laughs> and I got destroyed. I was like, oh. what is, what are they even doing? How are they how are they countering my strategy? <laughs> and so from then I slowly learned the whole like rock, paper, scissors thing. And I got a lot better at it. Um, and eventually um, I got to, I'm at about the 90th percentile of, of people that have played online, um, which, which sounds pretty good, but I went to a tournament last year and got destroyed. <laughs> so it oh, turns man. out only the 95th percentile go to tournaments. So I, I wasn't there quite yet. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, that's, that's my number two, Street Fighter V. Oh my gosh. I feel like not only learning more about you, I'm learning more about the world. As mm-hmm. well. Like, cause like, where else am I going to learn about Street Fighter Five? <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Let's hear your number three. Okay. Uh, number three is something that I know that I would win at. Um, and that would be, it would be trivia for the television show park and recreation okay um i i feel like i haven't had haven't had a trivia one in this pentathlon mm-hmm. i'm gonna uh, flex my brain muscle uh i i feel like i know enough about that show and the episodes that uh i would smoke the competition <laughs> like i i feel like how runners have like one event that they feel very confident about unless mm-hmm. they're Usain Bolt um who just like outruns everybody um yeah that's the one where I'm like this would get me the most points all right pentathlon um now I'm I'm really curious because uh I don't there is an office trivia slack channel uh and I don't know if you're very familiar with that and we also had an office trivia night um and these people are nuts the, the level of trivia that they go through. And so I'm curious if, if you look at that and compare it to your knowledge in parks and rec, are you still like, Oh, I'm, I'm a step above even these people. Well, so I'm in the office Slack channel okay. at work. Um, and when they do trivia, it is so obscure. Incredible. <laughs> so I, I watch and I enjoy the office, mm-hmm. but, um, it's kind of like in a similar universe that I love Parks and Rec. I feel like I'm on a similar level with just a different TV show. Like they they pull out questions in that trivia channel that I'm like, I don't understand how <laughs> anyone was paying attention to that one very minuscule thing. Or like, where was the book that I was supposed to read before I came to trivia? Like they their game is strong about the TV show, the office, but, uh, I, I feel, I feel similarly strong about Parks and Rec. Um, I tried to do, um, we do have a Parks and Rec channel. I have started to revive that Mm. work. I did, um, waffle Wednesday trivia because, 
Leslie Nope's favorite food is waffles. <laughs> um, and so I would throw out different trivia, some that I was like, okay, this is very easy. People get this very quickly. And other things that I thought were more medium, intermediate level questions. And some people were like, I don't know. I have no clue. <laughs> I would like have to give hints for some of them. I'm like, oh no, I think, I think I'm just in too deep. Like, I think I just know too much about this where I just assume other people would know the same thing. Um, I love that show. I have seen it, I think from start to finish. I think I have watched the entire series more than 10 times. Wow. Yeah. That, that uh, not, is dedication. Not, not necessarily paying attention all mm -hmm. the time. It's one of my favorite things. Like if I'm doing chores on the weekend, I'll have it on in the background and I'll like know what lines are coming up. Mm -hmm. So I'll like say them along with the character to the point where my husband is like, Hey, um, can we watch, can we watch something else now? <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he has grown to love it too. Um, now you mentioned... Yeah, uh, you mentioned that you know this is an event that exists. Have you gone to an actual Parks and Rec trivia competition? I have, and I have won. Wow. <laughs> what, now, was this, like, was this like a local thing? Was it a regional thing, national? Uh, yeah, one of, the, um, one of the event spaces in town, um, they'll do different types of trivia. I think they had Disney trivia night did um i think they also have an office trivia night um but they did parks and rec trivia and i had never seen any other place do it i feel like the office is way more popular to have mm -hmm. trivia um and so i was astounded when i saw that they had parks and rec trivia night i i told my husband i'm like you don't have a choice we're definitely going to this then i called a friend of mine and her husband and she loves the show too um, and so we formed a team, um, we played, I think there were like four rounds of trivia. I got to the end and there was a four way tie with some of, uh, some of the other contestants. And so you had to choose a representative from each of the groups to go up and do like a lightning round thing. And the question was name as many of Andy's band names as you can. <laughs> and I was like, I know this. And so my team won. Uh, <laughs> How many yeah, did you won. name? Uh, I think I had at least seven. They gave us a minute to write down as many as we could. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the grand prize was four tickets to go see a Pearl Jam cover band, um, <laughs> which was delightful because I enjoy Pearl Jam and Pearl Jam cover bands are very nearly as good as Pearl Jam. <laughs> um, we won a $75 bar tab, which was great because we used it some for trivia night and then some when we went back for the Pearl Jam cover oh, band. Nice. <laughs> um, and then a dozen uh, frozen hamburgers that are still in our freezer. Oh, wow. when was this event? Uh, I think this was last summer. I think this was last year sometime. So they've, they've been in there a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very nice. 
right. Be with number three, Greg. All right. So I'm starting to stray away from the straightforward competitions. Uh, right. my, this next one, number three, is hula hoop. Uh, but strictly just like how long can you hula hoop with a single hoop? Right. None of the fancy stuff. Uh, the interesting thing about this one, I have only hula hooped like five times as an adult. And so you might wonder like, what makes me think that I could do well yeah. in this and competition? You're, you're still confident enough to be like, yeah, put it in the pentathlon. So we had a hula hoop competition at work several years ago. It was, uh, it was when there was some summer Olympics going on and we decided to have our own like Olympics type thing. And one of the events was a triathlon of hula hoop, limbo and jump rope. And so I put together, I was on a team for this and I mentioned earlier, I'm very competitive as in like, I will actually practice these things. So I went to the store and I bought two hula hoops and a jump rope so that I could practice. And then. Uh, the first time I went to practice the hula hoop, it just like never stopped. <laughs> it, I don't know. It, was, it just felt very natural. Uh, I I compare it to, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the old comedy specials from Eddie Izzard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he's got a bit where he talks about like who thought to give a ball to a seal and realize that a seal <laughs> is just a true natural with this ball. And, and, you know, he wonders, maybe there are other animals and other types of objects that they are naturals with. Like, has anybody ever decided to give a banjo to a tiger? Maybe it would be great. <laughs> I am I am one of those animals and my object is the hula hoop. Huh. Uh, so I think I practiced twice. The first time I stopped after 15 minutes because I was getting bored. The second time, I just wanted to see how long I could go. So I think I started about seven o'clock at night and my huh. kids were still up. And once I hit about the 50 minute mark, my wife was like, Greg, you need to get the kids in bed. <laughs> I was like, no, oh I got to see how long I can go. Uh, but I, I ended up stopping at like 55 minutes. And then I told my team because I didn't know how good anybody else would be at hula hoop. You know, if you do something for the first time and you happen to do it really well, you probably just assume everybody else can do it that well. You don't, you don't know what the benchmark is. Yeah. Uh, and so I told my team, I was like, I, I practiced hula hoop a couple of times. I was able to go 55 minutes. I think I could probably go longer. And they're just like, what? <laughs> uh, so then uh, for the for the actual competition, we didn't know it. Uh, there were other people in other offices that were going to do it after us. And so we didn't know uh, what they were going, to, how they were going to do or anything like that. So I just had to go for as long as I could uh, we also didn't realize that it was going to be outdoors in the middle of summer. So it was very hot out. Uh, I ended up going 49 minutes with the hula hoop. Uh, second place was about two and a half minutes. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so oh I think my Atlanta, I think I would do pretty well if we had another hula hoop competition. You said you'd only done it a couple times as an adult and you were just like, yep, just put it, put it around my waist. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, and when I was, when oh, I was trying yeah. to put together my team, I even said like, uh, I think I said, I used to win roller skate limbo competitions as a kid. So I got those skills. <laughs> uh, I got second place in some jump rope for heart thing in like second grade. 
And I'm pretty sure that I hula hooped at some point as a child. Like I had the least I, amount of confidence in the hula hoop. And you just, you just smoked them. You blew yeah. them all out of the water. And then what was really funny is the next day I had these giant bruises on my sides from the, from the, <gasps> oh hula my hoop. Gosh. And, and my hips hurt really bad. I had trouble walking. So that was great. Oh, wait. You, you'd only felt it after you actually competed, not the night where you were like, yeah, let me just see how long I can hula hoop before I have to put my kids to bed. Yeah, like that I, was fine. I, I might've felt it the next day after the practice, but maybe it was just the adrenaline of, I got a competition coming up, carried me through. Oh my but gosh. yeah, the, the next day after the actual competition, I was, I was feeling it, which is, it, it doesn't feel right to say like, yeah, I hula hooped and man, the next day I really felt that. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like something you'd have to exert a lot of effort. In. But I mean, if you were, if you were in it to win it, I, I guess I could see how that would happen. Right. Cause like, I'm sure you like, you did like you'd probably tighten your core. I'm also not a skilled hoopist. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I can do it around my neck pretty well mm -hmm. um around i mean i feel like most people can do it around their arm pretty oh, yeah. well like, like that's just just centrifugal force doing its thing um but yeah around the waist like do you like was your core sore afterwards too because i'm sure you have to like it's it's like core control uh not that i remember all i remember is my hips hurt and the bruises on my sides i did try to figure out like what am i doing that's making this work that other people are failing. Uh, and eventually I, I did find like three, three key takeaways. Uh, one is power stance. Uh, like I'm a big subscriber to the fact that most everything you do in your life, if you're rocking power stance, you're going to do it better. Perfect. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how minute this thing is. If you're, if you're power stancing <laughs> it, you're just, you're going to, you're going to feel better. You're going to look better. You're going to perform better. Uh, the second one is, uh, I would describe it as I've got a bit of a squish zone, uh, a certain level of softness in my, in my midsection. Uh, I chalk that up to my, my naturally mediocre metabolism. <laughs> you know, so some people got to work for that level of softness, but not me. Uh, and then, and then the last one, uh, so this was something that I noticed I was doing and other people were not. Uh, is I, I would call it the dip. You know, if you feel mm -hmm. the, if you feel the hoop start to slip, you got to do a dip, just like a little maneuver, kind of get the hoop back up into the squish zone where, where it's, where it's going to stay. Uh, and I, and that one, uh, I kind of chalk up my dipping skills to, uh, uh, I just remember around middle school time, there was the, the big musical hit, uh, by freak nasty. I put my hand up on your hip when I yep. dip, you dip, we dip. Uh, so if you just sing that in your head the whole time, you're just, you can do it. Perfect. So, so those... Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, you've been preparing for this your whole life. Exactly. You just the, didn't know it. Yeah. Those middle school dances. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, my key to success. So yeah, those are, those are my three. If anybody else wants to become a hula hoop expert, <laughs> And they, they want to follow my path. Focus on those three things. That's what I would say. Oh my All gosh. right. We're coming up Already on number four now. What is your Already. fourth? 
right. Number four. Uh, this is also kind of trivia related. Okay. Um, uh, but I think I would be decent at dog breed identification. Mm. If you showed me a mixed breed dog, Ooh, I think I'd yeah, I think I'd be pretty good at telling you what breeds that dog made of. So you, now when you first started, I figured we were talking purebred. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you brought up mixed breed, now that's where yeah. it gets interesting. I feel like um the easy questions would be purebred ones, everything mm-hmm. that exists within like AKC standards of dog breeds. Yeah, the more advanced is like, okay, here's a mixed breed dog. Tell me what breeds make up this dog. Now, a lot of people, when they, uh, if they find a stray or they just get a dog at the Humane Society, and if I ask Mm -hmm. them what kind of dog it is, they'll just say, oh, it's a mutt, a mutt, just a Mm -hmm. mix of a little bit of everything. Now, are you able to tell even with those dogs, like, Oh yeah, it's like seventy percent this, thirty percent that. I don't think I could tell the actual percentages, okay. but I would be like, okay, there's definitely some terrier. Mm-hmm. I would guess one of the more popular types is a rat terrier. So I think I think it might be part rat terrier. Okay, and um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of lab in there. Um, like looking at the different features of the dog and trying to figure out in my head, okay, what dog breeds have these features? And what are the chances that like this dog could be these different breeds? So um, my one of my dogs growing up, um, her name was Keisha. She was a terrier. And we knew from the shelter that she was a, um, a terrier and Lhasa Apso mix. Okay. And as a kid, we were like, okay, terrier is very nondescript. Like it is an entire grouping of dog. Mm-hmm. So what what actual kind of terrier would she be? Never found out, but I've got my suspicions of what kind of terrier I think she was. Now I'm like, oh, all of these other beautiful mixed breed dogs. Um, I think based on their features, I could tell. There's also a TV show. I'm pretty sure it's on Animal Planet. If it's not on Animal Planet, it might be on Discovery. But they basically do that where <laughs> owners with uh, dogs that they don't know what breed they are, like take them through and interview the dog or interview the the owners and then the owners are like oh yeah no i think they're part corgi and it turns out they're actually part chihuahua and i'm over here like i knew they were part lab (laughs) i knew this i guessed it not right all of the time but i can usually guess major features like where where like major features of the dog Mm -hmm. came from so is that like your version of jeopardy where you you know the answers before the experts do. I think so. Yeah. I'm I'm also then, imagining you could run like a uh, uh a Craigslist service like a back alley 23 and me for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not based in science at all. This is this is some pseudoscience of like 
I know things about dog breeds. I'm pretty sure this makes sense. So I, I'm curious, have you have you done this with other people's dogs? Like what what makes you think that you would win or do very well in a competition of this? Besides right. watching the show. So, so yeah, besides watching the show, um I I did this with a, a friend of mine, her dog. Like we just did some very in-depth research um as to what breeds her dog would be. And so I I feel very con- we didn't get it confirmed by the dog version of 23 in May, but I feel <laughs> very confident that we had the correct answer. Um the the reason I know so much about dogs is that A, at any one time during my childhood, we had anywhere from one to three dogs living in my home at the same time. Um, number two, my mom was a dog groomer and she taught herself dog grooming for the internet. So I think she started grooming. Um, it was definitely the late nineties. I want to say it was 98. She was like, you know what? New career. I'm going to be a dog groomer. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't Google. So she went to the library and she checked out <laughs> all of these books about dogs and different dog breeds and their grooming standards and like all of this stuff. And so she had these books lying around all the time. And so my brother and sister and I would just flip through these pages of books about dogs. We were like, oh, this one's very pretty. Or like, oh, this one looks really cool. Or this one's very tall because we're just kids. So um <laughs> I absorbed some of it over time and I would like go on my mom. She had a mobile dog grooming salon. It was in this van. And so sometimes I would go with her and watch her groom dogs and like look at different features of different dogs. And if she had poodles, this was the grooming standard. Or if it was a lab, like this is what you had to do, or this is the different features. And you can see that some dogs have webbing in between their toes because they were bred to be great swimmers so we learned a lot about different features of different dogs based on what they were bred to do. Um, and some some of the behaviors of different breeds of dogs too, again, based on what they were bred to do. Um, and I just absorbed that as a kid. And I was like, well, everyone knows this much about dogs. Like, <laughs> Why do you know so much? Like, this is ridiculous. So I lo- So it doesn't help. I am also a self-proclaimed dog lady that mm-hmm. I am just so obsessed with my two dogs um, that I know so much about just dogs in general. But yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think I would get it right 100% of the time, but I think I could get really close. I could get close enough to do pretty well if this were an actual event. Nice. Uh, I'm curious, where would you source the dogs for this event? Um, I feel like the puppy cart on the Nebraska Humane <laughs> Society. Uh, there, I always try to guess what breed those puppies are. Like okay. I play the game generally, usually without an answer. Um, I feel like the Humane Society, um, different people who have mixed breed dogs, dogs that just want to like come out and hang out with other people. Um, yeah, I feel like if it were me, I would volunteer my dogs for an event like this they'd have a good time 
I I would be terrible at that event. So you beat me at least. <laughs> Greg, coming towards the end, what's your number four? All right, so mine, uh, this one is fairly obscure. I, I wanted to pick something musical. Uh, I think you'd probably be familiar with this because I know you are a musical person. Uh, but even within musical people, I don't think many people actually do this or can do it well. Uh, music interval identification. I don't oh, know. If, I'm so jealous that you're good at that. I don't know if there's a better term for that. Yep. But uh, just like hearing two notes played and saying like, yeah, that's a major third or that's a perfect fifth. Um, yeah, this is one. Uh, I I get jealous at most other people's musical skills. Like I see somebody play piano very well and I'm very jealous mm -hmm. um, or I hear somebody sing really well, just acapella and I get very jealous. Uh, but then I'm <laughs> like, well, at least I can hear two notes and <laughs> tell you what the difference is. Oh my gosh. And when did you know that you were good at that? Uh, so in middle school music class, uh, our teacher actually he made that be part of the tests, like part of the quizzes. Cause so he would try to teach us, all right, these two notes, you can remember that is the first two notes of this song. Yep. Um, and I don't actually remember most of the songs that he taught us. I learned different ones later on, just ones that I was more familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I did pretty well at those. And he, he, I remember he always did this thing where if you got a perfect on his quiz, he would give you 50 cents for the pop machine. And what an amazing treat. Yeah. And so that was enough motivation for me that I, I would actually pay attention and try to <laughs> try to get perfect on these quizzes. Um, so that was the, the first inclination that I could do it uh, well. And I think this is something where, um, like, I think there's some level of being able to learn it, but I think a lot of it is just, whether or not you're born with the inner ear stuff to be able to to mm -hmm. do that. Similar to like, if you go all the way down the spectrum, there's people with perfect pitch. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm nowhere near perfect pitch, but um, <laughs> I can do very well at just hearing two notes, uh, regardless of where they're at um, tone wise, like how high or low they are. And I can be like, Oh, well, that's the beginning of this song. Um, and so then, uh, I think it was just like in the last several years, I started practicing it more as I was trying to get better piano again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I can do pretty well. Now I know that I would not win this one cause I do know a select few people at work that, uh, they are very, very musical and they would get like a hundred percent on that kind of a quiz. Mm -hmm. I can get a hundred percent if it's like certain ones that I sure. always know what song it is. So like. Uh, a minor third is green sleeves. I don't know what it is about green sleeves, but nice. I can hear that one every time. Uh, perfect fourth. Everybody knows that one is the uh, the bride song. Like here comes the bride. Uh, mm -hmm. Perfect fifth is Star Wars. That one's very easy. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, and then like major sixth is uh, my Bonnie lies over the ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like the one that I can actually remember from middle school. Um, and then there's, then there's other kind of random ones. Like a tritone is the Simpsons. I think everybody uses oh, that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that would be my competition. And I imagine at this point in the whole event, there's going to be a select number of people that have done terrible at all these things. And then they're mm -hmm. just going to 
they hate me at this point. And then I'm going to play them these two <laughs> notes and they're just going to be like, those sound like the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's funny. I think I, now that you're explaining exercises you did in, what was it middle school? Yeah. Um, I think I learned um, six being the NBC. Team. Okay. Yeah. NBC. Yeah. Very nice. I, I, I have trouble with it. If it's not in the key that I learned it in. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> for, so like, so uh, like a perfect fifth, um, if it weren't in the key that Star Wars is played in, it would take me a little mm. bit longer to figure out that it is a fifth. That's why I'm like, oh, that you could do that with any starting note and then just identify that it's a fifth. That's, that's primo. Now, one of the challenging ones, so the, uh, the minor second, the half step, everybody knows that's mm-hmm. Jaws. But if you start with a very high note, then I just have to imagine it's like Baby Shark. oh my gosh all right we are down to the end here all right um so this one is a combination of uh I want to call this a combination of creativity and laziness, just (laughs) really coming together and helping me out in times of need. Um, The skill that I would be tested on for the fifth and final event. And most ridiculous. Something that, (laughs) and most ridiculous, is something that I want to call MacGyvering. Okay. <laughs> um, where I would use a tool for something other than its intended purpose. Um, and I feel like years of being a grad student, and like not having the right tools available to me <laughs> at all times has prepared me for this event. So... Okay, so there's like a million ways that this competition could go. How would you frame this competition? I would I would come up with a task that we all had to compete complete, and um, let's say it's in a room. Like everyone goes into this room and mm-hmm. they have to complete this task. You are not given the correct tool <laughs> to do it, and you have to find something in the room and complete the task in the quickest amount of time and to the greatest degree of completion. So like um, nailing something into a wall, I have definitely used my very expensive water bottle before because I was like, <laughs> I don't know where the hammer is. And I just need, like, it's just a push pin. I can just get it, like, it's fine. I just need this to be in this place. And I need something with a large amount of force to just do that for me. Or I don't have a hair tie. What else can I use in my home that's maybe within arm's reach that I can use to secure my hair in place? <laughs> I've used paper clips. I've used pencils. I've used I, rubber bands. Feel like very much like mm-hmm. um, hair ties, but boy, they hurt coming out. <laughs> They're not my favorite thing to use. 
I've used um, chip clips before, like what you use on a bag of chips oh, yeah, to yeah. keep them sealed. Um, yeah, binder clips I've also used. Um, yeah, just it's it's creativity and laziness working together. So I, I'm really curious, uh, what about this event that makes you think you would do better than all the other creative and potentially lazy people mm. at our workplace? Um, it's because I still do it. Like, I still <laughs> do it at home. <laughs> like, I have a hammer. I have a screwdriver. I have the means to buy limitless hair ties. Um, but I still choose to do other things sometimes. Um, yeah, I've been I've been practicing for this for a very long time. And I continue to practice my craft. Yeah, constantly honing the craft. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Trying. I don't necessarily go out of my way to be like, "Hey, this pen that I have here, what can I use it for?" <laughs> in a way that it wasn't intended to. It's more of like I have a need, and I don't want to go more than three feet. What can I use to fulfill uh, this specific task that I have at hand? And then I got to ask, do you have any other standout, like highlight examples of MacGyvering that you can think of? Yeah. Um, hair ties are a big one. Um, not having hair ties. Um, hammering stuff into walls. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like I have used um, sandwich bags for more than holding sandwiches, for sure. Um, I've like use them as a dry bag for going kayaking. Like that just kind of seems practical mm -hmm. as opposed to like, oh, unintended, but it's great. And I didn't have to buy a dry bag. Um, what else? Um, I feel like, I feel like I extend it in baking when I'm like, ah, I should have gotten more of this spice. I should have gotten something else. Like what is fairly similar? What's just close enough so I don't have to go to the grocery store again? My husband will go to the grocery store nine times until he has everything he needs to cook a meal. And I'm like, what kind of acts like <laughs> butter? Like what is what is butter adjacent that I can use for this recipe? Very nice. All right. Last one. Number five. All right. Last one for me. The most, most ridiculous, ridiculous yep, one. Yep. Uh, reading books to children. <laughs> okay. Okay. So tell me to, what what makes you? I've got I've got several questions. Let mm -hmm, me figure out which mm -hmm. one I want to start with. What makes you great at reading books to children? I have not used any standard way to measure how good I am at reading books to children. Um, it's, it's more of a gut feeling that I'm good at it. Cause so uh, I have two, I have two kids. Uh, they are 11 and eight currently. And uh, when they were kids, we would read to them uh, like when they were really young, we would read to them every night. Um, <clears throat> so like the first uh, couple of years, really when we read to them, they don't understand what's going on. It's just more of like creating the habit of, of them sitting and listening to a book. Um, 
but then they get to the point where they can understand it. Um, they, they know these stories by heart. Um, and I would read similar ones over and over and I would start to pick my favorites and I'd start to memorize them a bit. And so then I start to like read it, try to read it in more engaging ways. Uh, and, and I just kind of kept that up. And then at some point I was just like, dang, I'm pretty good at this. So do you do voices? Do you, when you say like you enhance how you read it, you do specific voices for the characters? No, I I don't do voices like some people do voices. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, that, you know, depending on how we are judging this competition, maybe I would have to bust out voices. I think if I had to, mm-hmm. I, I could do it okay. Uh, but I think just the general uh, reading in a way where it doesn't seem like you're reading uh, or, or, or it doesn't seem like you're just reciting these words, um, which it helps once you've memorized some of these books. Uh, sure. But then I, I've actually told a few people that I think the the skills I developed from that has actually helped a lot with public speaking, where I can kind of write out some some script of what I want to say in this presentation, and then you know I'm just using those same skills that I developed from reading to my kids uh, in the in these presentations and i don't know i think it works pretty well how would you structure that event like how how would it be a competition so i would i would say that uh each participant they choose one book so like that's a big part of it is you got to pick the right book Uh, and then there's uh you get a group of like 10 random kids age like uh, let's say four to eight and then uh, somebody is behind you keeping track. Maybe there's multiple people behind you keeping track of how long their <laughs> eyes are actually on you. Because when oh. the kids get distracted, you know, they're looking all over the place. And so it's basically like, how well can you keep them engaged? So your score mm-hmm. would just be like, what is the total time of, of these collective eyes, these kids' <laughs> eyes that, that they were on you? So if you can keep them captivated, that makes you an excellent uh, children's book reader. <laughs> you said you only get to pick one book and that's part of the strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What what book would you choose that makes you think that you have got this in the bag? So my, my number one book when I was reading to my kids was uh, Dr. Seuss book, uh, which I think a lot of people would pick Dr. Seuss, but I didn't even know that this book existed until we found it, like when we had kids, uh, if yeah. I ran the circus, is what it's called. I'd never heard of it before. I didn't yeah. have much hope going into it, but it, it became <laughs> uh, <laughs> it became one of my favorite books, uh, and and I had it memorized so well, like I could rattle off the whole thing. Um, like even if I go back to it now, it's like it's like riding a bike. Are there? there are books that you have memorized because i'm assuming that you've read almost innumerable number of books to your kids and probably an innumerable number of times too are there ones that you remember more vividly than others like are there others where you're like i know i've read this book but i've definitely replaced that with new knowledge (laughs) uh yeah there are definitely some that stand out um I would say the ones that rhyme well stand mm. out because uh, the ones that don't rhyme, I mean, you, you got to have a pretty good story. Uh, yeah. But then 
unfortunately there's these other ones that stand out because they were hot garbage <laughs> like you read it one time and you're just like i who decided that this would be a good story for children this is terrible you want to name names uh I, I can't even remember the name of this one, but it's about this ladybug that's trying to pick a fight with all these other animals. And it's just right. like, it just goes up to these animals and says like, Hey, you want to fight? And I, and I thought that's the most ridiculous thing. Like, what are you trying to teach these kids? <laughs> Come on, ladybug. Even if the moral of the story is don't do that. If the right. book says, Hey, you want to fight 20 times? What do you think I... kids are going to take away from that? Yeah, 104%. Yeah, no, that's that's silly. Ugh. Yeah, the, the Dr. Seuss books, uh, those are really great. Um, but even then, like, some of them, the rhymes were, like, too repetitive. Uh, whereas mm -hmm. this, If I Ran the Circus, that was, like, that's got to be peak Seuss. Nice. I like it. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's my pentathlon, the whole thing. I like it. I'm going to recap really quickly. All right. Um, I, uh, I went first, uh, in the back and forth chose making sourdough bread, mm -hmm. finding a good deal on the internet, mm -hmm. parks and rec trivia, dog breed identification and MacGyvering or using a tool for an unintended purpose. Very nice. Um, Greg, you took table tennis. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter Five. Yep. Hula hooping. Yep. Musical interval identification. And reading books to children as your anchor. That that is it. I love it. That's I feel like we're well rounded adults. Oh yeah. Those are the things that we feel like we'd be pretty good at those things. See be then... good or great. And then I like to imagine once you've picked your pentathlon, just imagine what it would be like to announce this event to the company and says, say, hey, everybody's got to compete in this thing. And and how many people would just be like, what is this? Why are we doing this? <laughs> and it's also that I can win something. <laughs> yep. Into it. Um, that was a great question. And I think that's, a wrap on our very first podcast episode. Um, our listeners, if you found it entertaining, please share our podcast out to your family and friends so that we can grow and keep this going and talk about hula hoops and dogs and whatever else we come up with in the future. Yeah. Or, you know, if you know somebody that's going stir crazy because they're working at home the past several months, uh, you can send them this podcast and say, here, I've heard this is the type of stuff you might be missing from your office. Absolutely. Make sure to watch out for our second episode. Yeah, we're going to do this again. And we're going to drop it about two weeks from now. And thank you for listening. What?